This is the Maternity Matters podcast from Riley Children's Health. Discussions to help you along the journey from the first trimester to your child's first year. Gabby Reith Miller here from Riley Children's Health. And this week, we're talking to one of our genetic counselors who are there for families as they prepare to welcome a child into the world. The genetic counselor joining us today is Kelly Sampson. So Kelly, why don't you tell us a bit about your role and how long you've been doing this? Good morning, Gabby. Thanks for having me. So yes, so I am a prenatal genetic counselor with IU Health and goodness, I graduated 20 years ago. So I am, I've I've been doing this for for quite some time. So um, in my particular area, I specialize in high-risk OB. So I serve on the maternal fetal medicine team here at IU Health. Um, And our role on a high-risk OB team is really to help our patients and their families understand their reproductive genetic risks and the testing options available to them. Um, As genetic counselors, we do have unique training, graduate training in both medical genetics, psychology, and so we're, we're sort of uniquely situated to really help families understand the complex genetic information that they're facing And when testing is available, we really dive into what are the possible benefits, limitations, or any potential risks associated with with the particular test at hand. Um, But furthermore, even though a test is available, we really want to stop ahead of time and help it help our families explore the possible outcomes. You know, if you had this test done and if the result were positive, how might that impact you and your family during the pregnancy after delivery? Or if the result were negative, how might that impact you as well? Um, So there's just a lot of, you know, science, information, provision, but also emotional support and guidance that we help provide to our families. So Ultimately, it's our goal to support our families, both informationally, emotionally, to help them make the most well-informed, autonomous decisions surrounding their reproductive genetic health. Such an important service that you guys provide. And I'm just wondering, how does a patient get connected with you guys? Is it if there are some abnormalities that come up during their visit to a regular OB, how does that connection first get formed with a genetic counselor? Yeah, you know, it really depends. A lot of our patients, probably most of them, are referred to us from their obstetrician, and they're referred for a number of different reasons. Um, For example, if a patient is considering a pregnancy and she knows that she has a family history of of a genetic disorder, say, for example, maybe she had a brother that died of Duchenne muscular dystrophy, and she wants to know before she gets pregnant is this something hereditary and could my children be at risk? So that's a patient that may come and see us to explore those options even before she becomes pregnant. Um, But a lot of our families are already pregnant and they may come to us for a similar reason, whether it's a, a family history concern of a genetic condition or a birth defect, or if they had a prior child with a birth defect or a genetic condition and they wanna know what's the chance that it could happen again and what kind of testing is available to me. 
um, we do see a lot of families where baby is diagnosed with a particular birth defect that may put the baby at increased risk for a genetic condition. And so again, providing information and support to those families is, is a big part of our job. Um, you know, lots of different reasons they can come and see us. Maybe she had a blood test that put her baby at increased risk and wants to learn more or women who have a hard time getting pregnant or staying pregnant. So we do see a lot of families with recurrent pregnancy loss or a baby that was stillborn. Um, and you know, Gabby, some, some women come and see us, um, whether they are self-referred or from their OB with no identifiable risk factor. They just wanna know what are the baseline risks for birth defects or genetic conditions um, to my baby and, and what kind of testing is available to me to choose from. And you mentioned the training that you have that includes psychology and just providing that emotional support. I imagine hearing about patients that you might work with who have gone through pregnancy loss or stillbirth, this can be just a very emotional experience going through the genetic counseling. Tell me a little bit about that, about how you forge these you know, deep relationships with your patients and that you're there for them to help walk through this journey as they just learn more about their genetics. Absolutely. So, I mean, you can imagine if, if you're, you know, having a pregnancy and, and your baby is faced with a possible um, genetic diagnosis, you can imagine how scary that might be. You know, most genetic conditions are really, really rare. People don't know much about them, maybe never heard of them. And so, you know, coming to us and we just can do our best to try to imagine how they might be feeling. and anything we can do to support them with information. You know, a lot of times just learning more about the condition and better understanding it really can help empower these families. Um, you know, we also want our patients to know that even if it is a really rare genetic condition that um, they've never heard of before, more than likely we've heard of it or, or know of other families and we wanna connect them with another family who have faced a similar diagnosis or raised a child with a, a similar or the same genetic condition so that our families know that they're not alone. Um, there are a lot of different support group resources and other organizations that we really try to connect our families with. And we are just here with them for every step of the way, You know, typically from the time of um, you know, an increased risk for a condition to a potential diagnosis, um, you know, through delivery, we're here to support our families, both on the prenatal side and on the postnatal side. And for so many of our families, we just, goodness, can't help but, you know, become attached. And one of my favorite things about my job is when these families, you know, bring these, their baby back, you know, months after delivery and they just come and stop by and, and we get to hold their baby and, and see them. And um, it, it's just a really, really, um, that's where I get just so much um, fulfillment from this job is, is when we can really feel that we have supported our families um, and helped them through one of the most difficult time, times in their lives. Wow, a full circle moment right there when you get to hold that little baby that you've, you know, 
known genetically at least for maybe right. the entire pregnancy. Exactly. And probably just seen ultrasound pictures of yeah. and you're there in your office. It's just like, ah, oh, this is wonderful. So. That is so cool. <laughs> and um, if a family is listening to this and they're considering having a baby soon, but they do have perhaps family history of a genetic disorder, when do you recommend that they perhaps connect with a genetic counselor and get that information if they wish to get testing done? Yeah, you know, of course, prior to pregnancy would be the most optimal time to come and meet with us because that way you can begin a pregnancy knowing your genetic risks. Um, of course, you know, prior to conception, there's there's not going to be any test that can absolutely test for everything. And of course, no way to ever guarantee a completely healthy child. But at the same time, we can work before conception to identify any um, hereditary or genetic risk factors, any testing that could be helpful, whether it's um, ethnicity-based genetic carrier testing for conditions like cystic fibrosis or spinal muscular atrophy. And of course, you know, prior to pregnancy too, we always uh, remind women to take their folic acid, you know, really taking that folic acid prior to and through the first trimester helps lower the chance to have a baby with a particular kind of a birth defect called a neural tube defect like spina bifida. So all of that information, um, potential testing and recommendations from a genetics perspective can, you know, is optimally done prior to pregnancy. But of course, most pregnancies are totally unplanned. Um, and so a lot of women would come and see us in the first trimester or sometimes later in pregnancy in the second trimester. Um, so we are here to support, you know, at any point, either before, during, or after um, a pregnancy. But the earlier we can get people, the better um, when they're interested in, in better understanding their reproductive risks. Yeah. And what do these uh, tests look like, whether it's prenatal or during a pregnancy? Is it mostly blood work or can you explain the different types of screenings that you can do? Yeah, absolutely. So it really depends on the situation. I mean, most babies are born perfectly healthy, but every pregnancy carries some genetic risk. So for example, if there is a family history of a known hereditary um, condition, we can offer targeted genetic testing for that particular condition. Um, but if there's really no identifiable risk factor, the next step that we can offer is, you know, just looking at a patient's ethnic background. For example, among Northern European Caucasians, a recessive condition that there typically would be no family history of um, happens in about one in every 2,500 Caucasian babies. And so a blood test, for example, to look at the gene associated with cystic fibrosis is available for carrier testing. Um, a condition like cystic fibrosis only happens when both parents are carriers and carriers generally would not have any symptoms. You would never know, but if you are both carriers, every baby you would have would have a 25% chance to be born with it. So some people think that, oh goodness, you know, I don't have a family history of cystic fibrosis, so I wouldn't need any testing, where in actuality, that's not the case. Um, anybody of, of any ethnic background can be a carrier, but we're trying to identify, okay, based on their particular background, what might they be at increased risk to carry, and then how can we offer that targeted carrier testing? Um, during the pregnancy for sporadic birth defects, 
there are different tests available. Um, about three to five percent, all babies are born with some kind of a birth defect. So here through our center, our doctors offer a really detailed ultrasound called a level two ultrasound, where they really look extensively from baby head to toe looking for any physical birth defects. But there's also blood testing available. Um, one of the newer tests for chromosome imbalances that happen totally by chance. They're not hereditary. Nothing a parent can do to cause or prevent them. Conditions like Down syndrome or trisomy 18 or 13. This blood test that typically can be done after the first trimester or really any time after about nine to 10 weeks, um, it's a blood test from a mother's arm that can give her a much better idea of what are the chances for my baby to have one of the more common chromosome disorders. Um, is my baby's chance much higher compared to other women in pregnancy or much lower? A screening test is something that's never gonna tell a woman 100% my baby either does or does not have that particular condition, but it does adjust the risk. For women at increased risk, there are diagnostic tests for certain chromosome conditions, something like um, a CVS procedure, which is done early in pregnancy or an amniocentesis, if a patient is seeking a definitive diagnosis for a particular genetic condition. So those are some of the, you know, more common, just routine, both genetic screening and diagnostic tests that are typically offered to all women during pregnancy. And this knowledge that they can gain from these tests and screenings can help them prepare for when a baby does arrive. So how do you guys work as genetic counselors with our OBs, especially the high risk OBs to just make a plan and be ready for a baby's arrival if that child may need additional care after they're born? Absolutely. So we are so lucky to work alongside such amazing medical specialists, both on the prenatal side and on the postnatal side. So if a baby does have a diagnosis of a particular genetic condition, sometimes the baby could be at risk for other health problems that you can't see or anticipate during the pregnancy until you know about this particular diagnosis. So Following the diagnosis, we work closely with the maternal fetal medicine physicians, the pediatric subspecialists as well. For example, if a baby has a rare condition that puts the baby at increased risk for a heart defect, in addition to her routine screening anatomy ultrasound, um, we as a team might recommend a deeper ultrasound called a fetal echocardiogram to screen more comprehensively for fetal heart defects. Um, and on the postnatal side, maybe baby is at increased risk for something um, like um, high, high blood sugar or something based on the diagnosis. And we need to make sure that all the appropriate screening um, and testing is in place, any postnatal exams or consultations that the family or the baby could benefit from. Um, we're just part of that healthcare team really working to connect these families, these babies with all the specialists that could help um, with their medical management. Yeah, I've had the chance to speak to some families who have gone through maternal fetal medicine and worked with all of you, and they just speak so highly about the way that it's this team effort, right, to prepare for a child's delivery and having a plan in place. So I'm sure this makes a, just a big difference in the lives of families all the time. Oh, thanks, Gabby. We really care deeply about our, our patients and their families, for sure.
Yeah. And then I, I wanted to ask you just from your experience and years in this field, I imagine that you've seen a lot of advances in the way that you're able to help families. Can you tell me a bit about some of the changes that you've seen or the newer things that have come up, um, have been created to advance genetic testing? Oh my goodness. Yes. Over the last 10, 20 years, the advances have been amazing, just absolutely mind-blowing. And we are able to offer our patients so much more than we used to be able to. For example, um, back when I initially started in about 2001, and we would offer that blood test for carrier testing for cystic fibrosis, for example, um, we could send their blood to a lab to test this one gene. And when you do the testing, you you really read the whole sequence of that gene. It's called gene sequencing, looking for any alterations that could be associated with causing disease. So that testing for one gene used to cost about $1,000. And the results of that testing, Gabby, would take two to three months to get back. And so if a patient had the blood test when she was you know, halfway through the pregnancy, we might not even have the results of that by the time she delivers her baby. And it was so cost prohibitive that most people couldn't afford to have that test. But new technology called next generation sequencing, at this point, we can offer a woman the same testing where they sequence that gene, but they can also simultaneously sequence more than five hundred genes at the same time. Wow. That testing is now somewhere between three and $400. And the results are typically available within about two weeks. So this, this new technology has just revolutionized what we can offer our patients from that perspective. It's amazing. Um, blood work for sporadic chromosome conditions like Down syndrome and trisomy 18. Um, at this point, we have a newer blood test where the false positive rate is so much lower than older, more traditional blood work. Um, and we can screen for a lot more conditions. So it's just really fine tuned, the screening that we are able to provide to our patients where you really wanna minimize that rate of false positive results and optimize you know, the false negatives as well. So um, much more precise screening is available to our families. and. You know, of course, during the pregnancy too, there's something called whole exome sequencing, where that is a molecular genetic test where the lab can sequence all of the coding regions of all of the known genes associated with human genetic disease. Um, that used to just be sort of a, a pipe dream back in 2000. And, you know, maybe one day we would be able to do that. But here, even in the prenatal setting, when this type of testing could be beneficial to our families, we're able to offer that deep, deep genetic testing to try to help our families find answers. That is incredible. And then hearing about the speed at which these results are now available to families is really essential here because a lot of this can be time sensitive, right? If they're Absolutely. wanting to get this information. Absolutely. Yes, definitely. And I want to hear from you about your drive uh, in this field. What made you want to become a genetic counselor and what motivates you each day as you interact with these patients? You know, the science and the psychology, I just, I've always loved science, but I really wanted to find a way where 
um, I could help support our families through teaching also a lot. And a lot of the time I do feel like a teacher. We're talking about recessive inheritance or dominant inheritance. And we're just really trying to break it down and simplify the information in a way that families can really understand. Um, but also the psychological components of that, you know, um, just because a test is available and it might be relatively inexpensive and there might not be any risk with that. Let's really think about that and, and explore what those outcomes might look like for you. Um, if you had a positive result, how might that impact your family versus a negative result? What would you do with the information? So really trying to support our families informationally and emotionally, it just, it, it keeps me coming back every single day. And I love being on this healthcare team. I just, I learned so much from my colleagues and the physicians that we work with on both the prenatal and postnatal side. It's just, it, it really feels nice when you're part of such a, such a good team. And your commitment to the patients is clear. Just hearing you talk about this, uh, it's awesome. I, I did want to ask you if a parent or a woman is listening to this and they want to connect with genetic counselors, how can they do that if they have yet to perhaps hear about it from their obstetrician? How do they maneuver this to get in contact with you? Yeah, so there are a lot of different ways. Um, on our website at rileychildrens.org, um, there is maternal fetal medicine with our contact phone number. There are also different um, societies that we as genetic counselors belong to. For example, the Indiana Network of Genetic Counselors, our contact information is on that website and also the National Society of Genetic Counselors. Um, you can go, you can search for a genetic counselor by state or by specialty. So, or talk with your OBGYN about prenatal genetic counseling and where are the resources here throughout the state. Really good to know. Well, Kelly, thank you so much for just sharing your perspective on this and giving people information if they don't know too much about genetic counseling, because I think it's a service that can really make a difference in the lives of uh, parents out there. Oh, thank you so much, Gabby. Really appreciate you talking with me and for the opportunity for this today. 